the liturgical sense of the readings at Mass. The first reading for the sixth Sunday in Ordinary Time, Year A, is from the book of Sirach, chapter 15, verses 15 through 20, but should have begun in verse 14, because in that verse is where the author Ben Sirach sets forth his interpretation of Genesis, writing, God in the beginning created human beings and made them subject to their own free choice. Here, some scholars of the sacred text tells us that Ben Sirah's having an argument with other Old Testament texts, such as Exodus, chapter 11, verse 10, where it says that Pharaoh sinned because God had hardened his heart against Moses and the Israelites, and that David sinned against God by taking his senses because God had incited him against the Israelites. Yet, Ben Sarah rejects the notion that God has a role in making us sin. Rather, every human being has within their own capacity the free choice of disposition and the ability to determine their own fate. According to Ben Sarah, if you choose, you can keep the commandments. They will save you if you trust God, you too shall live. He has set before you fire and water, to whichever you choose, stretch forth your hand. Before man are life and death, good and evil, whichever he chooses shall be given him. Here, Ben Sirah keeps good company with other texts of sacred scripture such as Matthew chapter 5, verse 19 in today's gospel reading, where Jesus says, Whoever obeys and teaches these commandments will be called greatest in the kingdom of heaven, which sounds nearly identical to Ben Sarah writing, If you choose, you can keep the commandments. They will save you. Ben Sarah is also keeping good company with the Book of Wisdom. Chapter 11, verse 24, which says, For you love all things that are, and loathe nothing you have made. For you would not fashion what you hate. Ben Sarah is also the same mind of James in chapter 1, verse 13, saying, No one experiencing temptation should say, I am being tempted by God. For God is not the subject to temptation to evil, as he himself tempts no one. And also Romans chapter 1 verses 18 through 32, where the apostle Paul credits God for allowing those who desired impurity, lust, and degraded passions to continue on in their free choice of death that they deserve. Indeed. It would have been terribly cruel of God to give us free will, but not give us guidance, standards, and helps to always help us make the objective right choice. The choice that glorifies God rather than ourselves. Here, Christianity makes it clear that God gives us aid in the journey by setting in our heart the natural law, 
which is our innate knowledge of good versus evil, by giving us commands such as the one from the beginning, to be fruitful and to multiply. The perpetual command to celebrate the Passover, which was first given to us on the night of the Exodus from bondage to Egypt, and renewed by Christ Jesus on the night of the new covenant Exodus from sin and death. By the Ten Commandments written by the finger of God and communicated to us by Moses on Mount Horeb and again by God himself on the Sermon in the Mount. And the greatest aid which we could have ever been given, which was the indwelling of God himself, the Holy Spirit, who the Apostle Paul forms the church at Corinth in today's second reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6-10. through 10. It is the Holy Spirit who scrutinizes everything, even the depths of God. According to Paul here, it is because we have the breath of God himself dwelling in us is why we are able to speak God's wisdom, mysterious, hidden, which God predetermined before the ages for our glory, and which none of the rulers of this age knew. For if they had known it, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. In a gospel reading today from Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 37, a great deal of our attention is often given to the but I say to you statements from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Indeed, it is powerful how God, who had come in the flesh, takes his very own commands given in the old covenant and now raises them to a higher standard in the new covenant, a higher standard that we, as the people of God, were ready for, and a higher standard that the Holy Spirit now dwelling in us is able to help us reach. It is beautiful and good that we serve a God who sets high expectations for us rather than a God who accepts the bare minimum, a God who wants us to be great in Him. There is a strange belief amongst some in the church today that we need to make the Catholic faith practice easier and more accommodating. We should require fewer feast days, encourage more casual dress at Mass and among the religious, require less penance, that we should accompany people in their sin and talk less about sin and obeying the commandments and talk more about inclusion and making the church more accepting. This church at a bare minimum and the lackadaisical approach to holiness is antithetical to the teachings of Christ Jesus that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. So what is the relationship between the law and the liturgy? Of course, we could point to the fact of how the liturgy forms us to obey the law. That is true. But let us move to the end goal of the purpose of the law and the liturgy. Because the law and the liturgy 
share the same source, which is the Holy Trinity, therefore they share the same ends, which is our good. As evident in the blessing attached to the fourth commandment, that if we obey our father and mother, our days will be long. The words of Psalm 119 that sings of all the blessings of the law. The blessings that Jesus attached to the beginning of his Sermon on the Mount that we call the Beatitudes, the blessed are you statements, and the blessings attached to following all the commandments, such as from our first reading today. If you choose, you can keep the commandments. They will save you. It proves that God gave us the law so that we will obey it, and by obeying it, we will be blessed. Similarly, the church teaches in paragraph 182 in the Catechism of the Catholic Church that in the church's liturgy, the divine blessing is fully revealed and communicated. The Father is acknowledged and adored as a source and the end of all the blessings of creation and salvation. In His Word, who became incarnate, died and rose for us, He fills us with His blessings. Through His Word, He pours into our hearts the gift that contains all gifts, the Holy Spirit. Even James in chapter 1 verse 17 speaks of a law which cannot change in the same way as the liturgy which the church teaches that we cannot change in the same way, writing, All good giving and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no alteration or shadow caused by change. There is a final point I would like to offer you. If the law and the liturgy have been given to us to be our blessings, then it therefore follows that the further the world gets away from the divine law and the further it gets away from living the liturgy, the less blessed it will be. Truly, we have more work to do in this world to show it the beauty and the blessedness of God. And that work always begins with us becoming a liturgical people. This is just one way how the readings at Mass this Sunday connect to the liturgy and how the liturgy is forming us how to live our lives in the world. Be in the world which you have received through the liturgy. I am David L. Gray. Visit me online at davidlgray.info for more content and context about the liturgical sense of the scriptures.